0: Cool, welcome back everybody. So we're gonna be talking about augmented reality. What is augmented reality and the future of it, how we can affect marketers, how do you learn it, how I got started with augmented reality. Hey, hello. hello Carol, how are you doing? Good, good. How are you? I'm doing great, thank you so much for coordinating this. For those that don't know, what is this? Well, welcome. Um, my name's Don and I'm here in Los Angeles. It
1: was, um, how did you get started with augmented reality?
0: Yeah, so um, I can actually pretty much time stamp it to like two and a half years ago. How I got started with augmented reality, I was looking at a lot of the work of an artist named Kid Mograff. I really liked a lot of his animations that he was doing. I was doing all this work learning like 3D animation and I really liked it. Yeah. I was also doing stuff where I filmed things and I liked doing that. And I, I thought, hmm, what if I merged what I'm learning in 3D with what I love about, like, filming stuff? And I decided mm-hmm. about two and a half years ago to kind of merge the two together and start experimenting. And it mm-hmm. started to look and feel like augmented reality.
1: Have you done any other works with other brands since, from those two years? Or was that the start of
0: things? Yeah. So I've definitely worked with some brands before on some augmented experiences, uh, worked with like a, like a, a health professional who wanted to like turn some of their workouts into little animations that would like play in front of people. And then the viewer would be like, Oh, okay, that's the form. Okay. And I'll go do it. And then, yeah. And then with the Sour Patch Kid one, I was just like walking down the street and I was going to film the coffee cup and put some like cool augmented thing on it. And all of a sudden it hit me. I'm like, Whoa, that would really help a brand out if you did that with their like, with their thing, and so so I get home, and I just started thinking, what's a really simple character that I could model really quickly, um, that's not too hard, um, and 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 people like, and I was thinking, oh, Sour Patch was the one that came to mind, and right when I came to, um, back to my apartment, my roommate had just bought that pack of Sour Patch Kids, and they were sitting on that the one. on the kitchen table, and I was like dude, can I film your Sour Patch Kid's, like, bag? And he's like, okay, um, sure. And he's like, do you want any? I'm like, no, I just want to film the bag. And he's like, okay. <laughs> I showed him the result afterwards. But um, but definitely has gotten a lot of um, work opportunities have come from that Sour Patch thing in the last yeah. three weeks for sure. So it was the fitness
1: augmented reality that you did was it the first augmented reality project
0: you've ever done? Or what was your first project? Hmm. I would say my first augmented reality project that I had done was probably one I did about two and a half years ago when I would start merging. Um, I was walking actually by a, by a dump. And uh, it had a really pretty green, um, like like, trees and stuff. It's in Silicon Valley. It's in Palo Alto. And I was walking on a little lunch break. And I just thought, oh, I could I could put some cool I could put some cool like objects, floating around here. I don't know why, but I just thought it'd be like a cool space. Oh, Okay. It was like a geometric was, like, fractal shape that was just like spinning in the sky, and there's like a tube that kind of flies around. <laughs>
1: so you were actually in the augmented reality like for quite a little while
0: now. Yeah, I mean it's been about, I mean I would say like a year and a half to two years of kind of bringing live action elements and CG elements together. But if I want to go really old school, I mean, kind of like after, like using Adobe After Effects and to like add visual effects on top of footage is kind of like augmented reality. And that I've been doing since 2007. So right before the iPhone came out. Wow.
1: <laughs> Practice augmented reality now. Do you use After Effects still or other programs?
0: How, uh, so I usually use After Effects and Cinema 4D to mm. first visualize for a customer what I'm going to do for them in augmented reality. Mm-hmm. So I kind of treat the augmented reality as a visual effects shot and I can very, I can work faster that way. So I basically treat it like a VFX mm-hmm. shot and show them I'm going to put a crystal in your scene and it's going to rotate. And then once I get the green light, they're like, "Oh, we we want that. We want that in the app. We want to use that interaction." Mm-hmm. Then I go through the harder steps of optimizing all this, all the assets, programming them so that they work on their app or game or platform. Um, so you can do programming? Tiny bit, very very what, tiny uh, bit. Uh, what language? Um, a little bit of JavaScript and a tiny tiny bit of Python. Like <laughs> I could barely make it by. But you can just look at. You can learn everything on YouTube. YouTube can honestly teach you anything you care about now. Like, really anything. Anything
1: (laughs) yeah. How did you get? Do you get started with this? How do you have the connections, or
0: how do you make yourself known in the space of augmented reality? Yeah. So um, I use a lot of hashtags that are relevant to the space, and so people will see something and then they'll say, "Oh, could you do that for me and my brand?" Or can you do something kind of like that, but with this tool? And mm-hmm. there, so I have like, there's probably been like 15 hashtags I use that keep getting me work in augmented reality. Um, they are AR, augmented reality, um, VR, game desi- uh, game dev, um, real time, um, augmented, uh, mixed reality, virtual reality. Would you go into the VR? I am already kind of working in the VR space, but I I'm putting it. that's a future. I'm putting that five years from now. It's gonna be more relevant. It's not relevant right now. Yeah.
1: Okay. So we start with AR first and VR in the
0: next few years. Yeah, and the reason for that is I believe I'm a big practitioner of friction. Like, if you have an experience that causes the user a lot of friction. I think that's not good. So right yeah. now VR has a lot of friction. You need a usually need a really powerful machine or a really expensive yeah. hardware or wireless headset. There's lots of controls, there's a little bit of a learning curve. All of that yeah. amounts to too much friction for normal consumption. So I think we're getting into the next question which is oh. how
1: will augmented reality Change the landscape for marketing
0: and like years. We already see it changing the landscape of marketing. Um, there's been a lot of companies that do face filters and partnerships, like Snapchat, um, things yeah. that you can scan and animate. But how it's going to change stuff is we're going to start seeing a lot, a lot of iterations of things. Marketing is going to become a lot more individualized. We're going to see a lot more personalization. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's going to be very much what does Carol want? Let's make an ad very much for Carol. Be based on their user behavior, based on their physical locations, based on their tags that they're using. And it's going to be very much experience for you. And then your neighbor has a totally different experience. Same product. Mm-hmm.
1: And would experience be something come up, coming out of the package? I was talking with my friend about this. Because mm-hmm. I shared wow. your, your animation of style patch of game and we're, yeah. we're
0: just like oh my god how can these you know magically ai um and we're like okay by the way i bought like a cell patch cake hey like, yeah. <laughs> this is not a sponsor but cell patch This is with a restaurant at the moment mm-hmm. um you normal
1: know, restaurant and how do you think in a few years how can
0: augmented reality enhance the experience of someone going to a restaurant oh i'm so happy you asked that <laughs> <laughs> literally been thinking about this and I've already been creating some demos of this exact topic. Yeah. Awesome. So one of them is we're going to see augmented menus, mm-hmm. a menu where you scan it and you'll have the item appear and it's stats. We'll right. also see, um, an avatar or a character, uh, is part of the experience of going to the restaurant. So you go to the restaurant you scan with your phone and out pops yeah. the character says hey welcome to this restaurant here's the specials for today and that person is life-size and they're in front of the restaurant and they walk back in or they or they dematerialize um what's what's really going to take augmented reality to the next level is when they continue to integrate it with artificial intelligence ai and ar together is is going to (laughs) completely change everything it's going to really it's going to be very different tomorrow than today Mm -hmm. And essentially, just putting a layer of digital intelligence onto everyday surfaces makes everything interactive. And that's going to yeah. change a lot of consumer behavior. We'll also see a model eventually where people are subscribing to augmented reality clothing. Uh, no,
1: I have say, I've already seen like, on Instagram, people that have been um, doing with their shoes, what kind of shoes, their style, and having the different hats like you
0: did with um, the Roots Up, to, to um, Smile the Smile merch.
1: Yes, my merch in different
0: colors, what suits you the best. Yeah, we're going to see so much of that. It's kind of ridiculous. Right now, there's only two, well, there's three limitations, but all of them are being adjusted mostly this year, which is crazy. Um, One is bandwidth of your internet connection, but a lot of towers are switching to 5G. That's one of the first limitations that's being lifted, so that's going to change that. Mm -hmm. The second one is file format. Um, Currently... Mm, There's three file formats that are standard for AR and VR content. Um, They are, that's um, OBJ files. It's OBJ Wavefront. That's one of them. Alembic, which is ABC. And the third one is um, uh, FBX. FBX is the one that we see the most in like social media apps. But all three of these um, formats are inferior to one that Pixar just released uh, in 2018 at SIGGRAPH. It is a file format that is fundamentally changing the way that 3D data and textures are stored. It makes really heavy files really light and makes them load fast. It is such a it is such a huge game changer that it's going with that once that becomes implemented. And I saw a press release that Apple is going to make. Um, it, the format's called USD. It stands for Universal Scene Description. Uh, Pixar. Pixar made it and this format, it sounds like maybe silly initially, but that how, how could a you know, file format be the thing that, that really makes the industry take off? It is, it's, a, it's so much more efficient at handling 3D information. The third friction right now is, um, is cost, but that's coming down a lot. and, and, and uh, The AR stuff is going to start off here on the phone like we're using and the same technology and all the software that's writing for it, it's going to work really nicely for glasses and then that same technology is gonna work really, really well for the contact lenses. No, it doesn't
1: have to be digital technologies, it can be anything that we have right now that could really enhance the AR experience. Yeah. Is it contact lenses, lenses, watches.
0: Watches. Um you are on the right path for sure. It's gonna be wearables. Uh, wearables a- yeah. any wearable technology. We're gonna have a lot smarter wearables. So like a T shirt that you wear that also keeps track of your heart rate. And syncs up, you know, that's like a random example. Or a hat that um, also does little brain scans with their wireless um, Mm -hmm. uh, EEG scanners. That's super easy to make now. Mm, Phone cases? Phone cases that are also batteries, that are also tools, um, shoes that measure your weight or your speed or your mobility you know, pants that are charging your devices by converting kinetic energy into usable um, power for your smart devices. I mean, wow. we're going to see wearables, like I have a backpack right now I got from a company called Hype Pack. They gave me a backpack and it's, it charges your phones. There's a, it's a battery, you can no, it's not a kinetic f- battery charger, but <laughs> it, it, you can charge the, you can charge the backpack. So it sounds weird to say that. You charge the backpack, <laughs> it's a pretty big battery and then you can plug in any USB device into it to charge it. Oh, I see. And... A portable charger backpack. Yeah, and it's also a Bluetooth what? speaker. <laughs> what? Yeah, the speaker. The it's light. That's what's weird. Light? Yeah, it's a, it's like a yeah. you basically are carrying a huge battery, but it, the battery is lightweight compared to a backpack. Yeah. It's like a light little battery on the bottom half of it, and there's speakers yeah. on the corners. And it syncs with your phone, and I I love the backpack because sometimes my phone dies, and I'm like, oh, good thing I have my backpack. <laughs> I can just charge it <laughs> in there. Uh, yeah. So I don't really use the speakers as much because I you know I think it might be a little obnoxious to have everybody hear the music that I enjoy. But <laughs> the charging feature is my favorite feature. Um, yeah, it must be. Yeah, you can just charge your uh, devices and and know that you have an extra you have an extra like three batteries essentially like full charges we're gonna see a lot of wearable tech that's something that marketers should be looking at how can they uh-huh. integrate utility to a wearable device or a company that already has the utility but needs to parent with a smart company with tech smart tech company to put their chips into their clothing um, another one which you already hit is some um, artificial intelligence of course but that can sound really scary, so I'll give you a really specific aspect of artificial intelligence that marketers should pay attention to, mm-hmm. and that is proceduralism. Procedural okay, workflows. three words that describes what that is. Infinitely scalable, cheap.
1: Okay, yep. That might sound like it, it will take off. It's cheap, scalable,
0: yep. David is with me at the moment. So oh, yay. And
1: he's also a programmer, a developer, so... He has a
0: question. Yeah, so, hey, good to see you again. Hello.
1: <laughs>
0: Yay. These
1: particular technologies, like they're
0: really advancing, um, mm-hmm. and they're like we have so like access to them is really easy as well, you know, especially with like the um bringing of open source technologies, um, and yeah, I, I guess let's say life is at mm-hmm. stake, you know, we can take that um underlying yeah. um outcome. So kind of taking that solution, if we're like to open up mm-hmm. the world, where do you think, you know, kind of make it a bit more open-ended? Where do you think those, I guess, technologies would really kind of involve? I have good news and bad news. The bad news is some of these tools, if not all of them, are also going to be used in negative ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Misinformation, attacks, uh You know, it's going to be used, unfortunately, in that way. Mm -hmm. But the good news is there's going to be the same tools being used for good. (laughs) Yay! So, in 50 years from now, first off, no one can really predict that um, because of the, the speed of change is so rapid. I mean, I hope you even realize, like, just 20 years ago, internet was not really accessible commercially, you know? Like, it was just the infancy of it. And it was like this weird thing that people thought was a trend that was going to go away. Um, so, I mean, one, I do know, like, there's like three things that are for sure going to happen in the next 20 years that I can guarantee. Is one is um, people are not going to want stuff slower. People are not going to want things to be more expensive. And people are not going to want things to have more friction. But you can predict what the future is not going to be like. And those are three. And and if you follow that mindset into any industry, you can start to kind of build a map, a roadmap of what the future may be like. And so if I say, let's say healthcare, if I want healthcare and medicine to be less expensive, less friction, and uh, more efficient, then I see a situation where a lot of medicine is enhanced with AI. So we might have doctor visits that are mostly AI that can, have, that can do you can do conversations with, that are vetting for a lot of common things that are discussed with a doctor, but a trained doctor doesn't need to see you to assess these things, because based off of your criteria, they can diagnose you, get you medicine, or get you on a treatment, mm-hmm. or a meditation process that can totally help with that. So we'll so see- like a database of like all these diseases and everything and, you know, having that database to ask questions, personalized questions to your needs. Yes. And then photos. Um, Right now, computer vision is way better than human vision. It's not even, it's way beyond our vision now. Someone could take a photo of their injury or their, um, you know, uh, their infection, and the AI could look at that photo and accurately, very accurately assess what is the condition and what is the proper treatment. And so we'll see A.I. helping practitionership where the human aspect is. This uh, the human might still be involved, though, where maybe uh, there's a doctor visit service that's all on a autonomous cars. So there's like essentially doctors in autonomous cars. You take your assessment through an A.I. who who vets you and says, oh, you have this thing. We'll send a, a physical doctor to you now. And then an Uber like service drops off a doctor to your house. And the person is very much highly trained in emotional intelligence, can relate to the human aspect and feel that void of like, am I talking to a robot? No, you're talking to a human. This is a real doctor. Mm-hmm. And then it would, it would prioritize. It would, make it, it would make the cost of healthcare less expensive. It would be yes. less friction. The doctor can focus on being a doctor and not having to do mundane stuff that is easily solvable through automation. Mm-hmm. So, that's right. so that's like a, a futuristic example I can think of right now. Because I just look at those three, those, that triangle. Of people are going to want stuff to be less expensive, less friction, and more efficient. So mm-hmm. you can apply this to anything. Any industry is going to be affected industry, by this. Right? Because it's a business. Like a business is
1: going to want those three main things. Your inspiration. Do you listen to any podcasts? Do you go to conferences about AR?
0: So believe it or not, um, I read a lot. I read a lot of sci-fi. And what's fun wow. about sci-fi is that it's only science fiction be, for now, and, and, uh-huh. that, and that's it. <laughs> it's science fiction now. And a lot of the uh-huh. principles that are in sci-fi books from the 80s are completely normal stuff for us today. Like most of it. Yeah. And so if you, so, what's awesome is a lot of authors have already done a lot of this heavy lifting of what that future can be like. They've built entire yeah. worlds and characters and places and things to fill that future. And so what's cool is like, I study, it sounds fun to say this, but like I'll study sci-fi because they they do a good job at kind of filtering out ideas that have some plausibility. And some of it's just fantasy and fun, sure. But a huge inspiration I get is by studying and reading sci-fi, watching sci-fi shows and programs. One of my... Oh, yeah, I got some examples. You know I got examples. <laughs> one of my favorite books that has super heavily, heavily inspired me is uh, the sci-fi book written by Ernst Klein called Ready Player One. Yeah, last year they made a movie out of it. That book inspired me to do one of my life dreams, which is I want to open up a school in augmented slash virtual reality.
1: Oh, I do that. until that happens.
0: I'll be your first one to that school. Yay. Oh, I'm excited to hear that. Say again, sorry. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, so I listen to a lot of marketing podcasts. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't consume news. I only consume stuff about technology and art. So that's all I know. I put all my knowledge and stuff into tools, art, technology, AI, all that stuff. That's all I know. So with that, The Verge... They are an amazing source for tech news. Um, they're more focused on smartphones usually, but they have a lot of good insights. Um, there's another channel called Cognitive Culture. That's a really good YouTube channel. Um, there's also Cold Fusion. Subscribe to them. Um, that's a good one for learning about technology updates, and then for marketing stuff, um, I listen to Shalene Johnson, uh, the Gary Gary V podcast. Audio yeah. experience; um, uh, those are the main two in the in the podcast okay. space. Going
1: into augmented reality, he's going really strong in voice. Mm-hmm. Oh, how is voice and augmented reality going to? Can
0: they go hand in hand? Do you think they are? I When he says that everyone's going into voice, he's right because I actually consider voice a, a form of augmented reality. Is, how Sure. What makes it augmented reality now is when voice is enhanced with artificial intelligence. So kind of like that, that idea that I shared with you before of like, you scan the logo of a company, and then out pops a character in front, that character can actually respond to you, you it might have a few words and stuff that it can recognize, or sentences that people might ask, like, and then you say something like, you know, what's your most popular item, then the AI is like, boom, checks its archive. And then it Notices that their favorite item on Yelp was this one dish, uh, fi- seafood pasta dish. Then the AI can then respond with voice, "Oh, well, our favorite, you know, most popular dish according to so and so is this seafood pasta." Uh, we'll see a small company is gonna make a product that puts like scannable characters in front of restaurants, or in front of like museums, in front of art, in front of parks, in front of gyms, any like literally anything. I think what's gonna first happen is a smaller company is gonna do that, mm-hmm. and then it's gonna get popular, and then before yeah, it gets cool. too popular, a Google, an Apple, or one of those companies will swoop okay. it up and call it a blah 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 of their products. Do you have any issues with that? Have like the monopoly of Google,
1: Microsoft, and then being the major players in the game, and you know buying off these ideas from little companies?
0: Is there an issue, like, in your perspective, is there an issue with that? Um, kind of. Yeah, because I've I've read one of my favorite books is uh, Sapiens by Yuval Noah Harari. And one of my biggest concerns is it's giving so much power to a very, very small group. And usually what happens when you do that in history is it leads to the most inequality and the most, like, death, honestly. And I don't like that. So... I kind of want things ideally to be decentralized. That's part of the reason why I like sharing so much of my knowledge and things that I learned with as many people. And I want them to do it. If someone can do everything I'm doing and then learn all of it from me, I'd be so happy. I want another competitor. You know, like bring them on. I would teach them happily because I I would rather have multiple people know this than just me knowing it and having a monopoly on it. I'd rather have everyone know everything I know. Yeah. Um. But um. So. But I'm also. You know, very, like I guess, Western-raised, so I do kind of love capitalism. I like the idea of of people working to a certain goal, but then I don't love the greediness and the selfishness that often comes with developed, later-stage capitalists. So, I'm so conflicted on that one, Carol. I do see a problem with it, but then I also hate it and I love it.
1: Coming to power you are willing to
0: share your power with others that have potential and maybe others are so passionate about and you can help them through that right so we need more people like you to be in power well that's what i'm trying to do (laughs) (laughs) i mean honestly like like it's fun being like an anomaly like i'm a person of color who's a deep nerd in tech so like i already feel like that gives me an advantage to maybe wiggle into some new spaces that, are, that aren't familiar for folks that look like me. And that gives it a chance. Like, my dad normalized me. My dad was a scientist. So I never thought that a person of color couldn't be a scientist. I'm like, oh, that's just like what every dad does. You know what I mean? So like, I want to help be that for another, for art stuff, for tech stuff. Like, oh, you can be mixed, and you can be young, and you can also be in tech. You're just as worthy. Um, I would like to have more women in tech. So I'm actively always looking and trying to in, uh, invest in women companies, um, companies that are directed, you know, produced by, uh, scripted by, like, if, I, I honestly would like to hire more women in any marketplace just because I would like there to be more, more minds from different perspectives that can approach problems. Because if you have the same type of mind with the same type of privileges, solving the same type of problems, you're not gonna solve the new problems and you're not gonna adjust to change. And tech is changing everything. AR is changing everything. AI is changing everything. So we're gonna need more than just one type of mind with one type of experience. We need way more. Um, one thing I know, like, like, I definitely wanna have kids. And when I do, one thing I'm gonna, like, maybe instill in them is two things. One is uh, getting them to uh, make decisions young. Like having an activity, a routine of getting the kids to have to make decisions. And they'll start off small, like what shoes do you want to wear today? And, and you know making a decision, having that become part of their their just growing up culture. The second part though, is instead of asking our future kids, what do you want to be when you're older? I want to say, what eight things do you want to be when you're older? Because the, the skill that's going to be needed for the future is really adapting it is to be able to adapt and then to also hopefully maintain mental health because that's the only thing that's gonna be at risk if you, there's a lot of like the past, people define their whole self-worth and life off of what they did for a living. They say, oh, I am a uh, inventor. I work in this and that is my identity. But in a world where all that stuff is very quickly becoming automated, there are gonna be a lot of crises of self If that's the mindset going into the future, it's gonna be really, really, really rough. It's gonna be bad. We can't tie our identities to our work, but rather what we love, our passions.